sometimes you just really wonder what's going on. Why does it have to be just so hard? And every single one of us will go through stuff that um, is really difficult. And if you're not going through it now, you will. That's a guarantee. Okay? It is going to happen. You will have a hard day or two or a couple of years and it will come. And um, I want to do something really weird. Really weird. Probably the weirdest thing that you've ever seen in church. Well, it might not be, but that will be up there. We good? Are they coming? Ah, here we go. These are my hands. Okay? They're probably about the ugliest hands you'll ever see. And my sons, these are the two that I work for, call me Shrek hands. And um, I have bigger hands than most people. They're they're pretty big. And uh, if you get a really close-up look at them, they're really messy. Like, really messy. Um, I'll try and point out a couple of things to you on this side of my hands. If you look at this finger right over this side, you'll see a bulge on the side of my finger and, like, a bit of a mark. Oh, where'd that come from? There you go. That, That finger there, I cut with a drop saw. And it took about an inch, well, about 20, centimetre, uh, 20 millimetres, which is two centimetres in my finger, flesh away right down to the bone. Gone. Um, cut all the nerves and tendons and everything that were in that finger. Um, was really painful. Don't recommend it. Does It hurts. Yeah. And it took somewhere in the vicinity about five to six months to actually heal to the point where um, they could take bandaging and stuff like that off. They actually peeled part of my arm off and stuffed it in the hole, fixed up all the tendons and everything. Um, On the back of that same finger, um, I cut the knuckle of that off when I was slicing cucumbers once. Um, What else have I got in that hand? Um, Both the knuckles on here being bashed so many times, they're really ugly. Um, because they've been knocked around so much. There's still cuts and nicks and everything that go on forever and ever in that hand. In this hand, I've had slices across all my fingers and stitches in there. That was really painful too. I had a sheet of melamine which I was throwing out of... No, laminate, that's on sometimes on kitchen walls and bathrooms, kitchen benches, stuff like that. When you break that, it, it goes into really... Yeah, throwing it out the window, cleaning out a bathroom, and it slides through all four fingers because it got hit the side of the window and my hand slid out the side. That hurt. At the moment, if you look at my hands, I've got calluses all over it. I've got a couple of blisters on this hand at the moment from digging this week. Um, this finger here, I sliced through the back of the finger and cut um, a tendon, I think it is, because my finger ended up in that shape all the time. I couldn't straighten it. Um, it's okay now. The doctor said that wouldn't happen. They said it would be like that, for the, like that for the rest of my life. He was wrong. God healed me, and I can straighten it now. I'll tell you why I'll bring all that up in a little while. Let's share a little bit of my testimony, but before I do that, I want to read a little bit of scripture. And if you want to read it, I'm old school, I'm in my Bible rather than having it up on the screen and all that. If you want to look it up, it's Psalm 1. And it says, Blessed the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree that is planted by streams of living water, which yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. And it goes on to talk about the wicked. I'm about 50, well, I'm 50 next year, almost 50. Been around for a while. Uh, starting to feel a little bit older. My body's starting to get a little bit tighter. I don't recover from really hard days as much as I used to. And there's a lot of older people in here who've got a big smile on their face because they know exactly what I'm talking about. That gives me the opportunity to reflect a little bit because I've been around for a while. And um, I've seen a lot of things happen. I've been in this church for probably 25, 30 years, something like that. Not that long, 20 years. Four was a baby. So he's 22, aren't you? Four? Three? Something like that. Anyway, more than 20 years. Been around a long time. Okay? Even in this church. Seen pastors come and go. A few of them. Okay? And I'm, I've been a Christian since I was about 20 or so, somewhere around there. I'm not very good on dates. I just have proximities. And i um, seen a fair bit as a Christian. So it means I've been a Christian for about 30 years or so. And you see a lot in that time. In reflecting on my own life, um, I see that my life's a bit messy. I've done a lot of things wrong. And... Um, done things that I regret um, some things um, that um, hurt me from the point of view of seeing people around me hurt and to a certain extent feel a little bit responsible for that at times of time especially being a parent um, so got a lot of scars in saying that I actually feel like a psalmist when he's talking about I feel like a tree planted by streams of living water. And that happened because I became a Christian. And to give you a picture of why I say that, I want to share a bit of my testimony. And particularly recent times um, at where I'm at now. Okay. I, I can't really remember too much before coming to Australia. I remember bits and pieces of England. Um, not a real lot about my life or what was going on, stuff like that. One of the things that happened to me when I was a real baby, probably, I believe, when I was being potty trained, so it's a long time ago. Um, and um, one day when I was sitting on the potty, um, I fell off onto an electric bar heater and burnt my face. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, the, probably the, one of the things that I remember most about living in, in England is being having pale skin and a, a dark scar on your face. People notice that. And I used to get a hard time. Not so bad in England. When I came to Australia, I got hammered like, really badly at school. Because not only did I have a scar on my face, which was very prominent at the time being a child, um, I also had a pony accent, which from time to time comes out, and I got hammered at school for that as well, like real bad. So I came out to Australia, I came into year eight at school, and really hated it. 
with a passion. Um, I used to do okay at school in England when I came to Australia because I hated it so much I didn't go so well. Ended up being in the F classes, mostly anyway. A couple of good classes. I did okay at art, stuff with my hands, technical drawing, stuff like that. So some stuff I did okay too. But the thing I struggled with most was my own personal place, where I was at in myself, how I saw myself, who I was. And to a certain extent, I was a broken kid um, because of how people treated me. Um, A lot of things changed that, particularly my faith. Okay. So the reason I bring that up more than anything else is I want to say to young people that are here, I know some of the stuff that you guys go through at school. Okay? I know what it's like to be hurt and damaged because of what people say and how much it can really cut you up when people say things to you and don't appreciate you for who you are. I want to say God can heal that and he can change it. Okay? Anyway, after that, um, about um, two-thirds of the way through year nine, I quit school. Yes. Best day of my life was getting out of school. All the teachers in here going, what the? But for me, because I wasn't going well at school, because I was getting a hard time, it was a great day. And I celebrated all the way home. I actually went to school on the bus, went around all the teachers, they had to sign a piece of paper letting me go. And then I walked home celebrating all the way. <laughs> it was a great day. Do have regrets about that day. Um, didn't finish year 9, didn't finish year 10, or any other study work at all. But, um, didn't matter. And um, for me anyway. Um, went to work for my dad which was a great experience. Lost most of my Australian accent when I was going to school because I was working really hard not to sound like a pom. Went to work with my dad and the first thing that could happen is I'd get me English accent, get 24-7 with my dad and um, English accent came back um, and that's why it comes out now and again these days. Worked for seven days with my, seven years with my dad doing my apprenticeship as a pastry cook and I um, really love working with my dad. Um, my two brothers joined us w- with work. Really hated working with my brothers. Uh, my brothers were, um, they didn't like work. So they avoided it like a plague. And one of the problems was I was the older brother, so I got more and more responsibility as the boss at work. Had to do ordering and dad would go off and do deliveries and stuff like that. And I had to be in charge of my brothers. They didn't like that. And um, so they would try and cop out and work and all sorts of things. Really hard time. It was during that time that I became a Christian. Weirdest thing that ever happened again. My wife, I got involved with my wife. We met when I first came to Australia when I was 12. And we started dating when she was 15 and I was 17. Um, and we were deeply, passionately in love. Uh, it was a beautiful thing. And... Um, so it ended up that Rosemary was actually working in the shop and she used to get a hard time from my brothers as well. Rosemary had a dream once that um, the pastor who was marrying us, because we pretty much, I never asked for Rosemary to marry me, but we were getting married, 
And she had this dream. That was, that's another story. Separate story. Um, and the, she had a dream that the pastor forgot our names was when he was marrying us. This is about 12 months before we were getting married. And she said, I really want to go to church so that the pastor gets to know us so that he doesn't forget our names, which is a stupid reason to go to church. Just saying that. It's a weird reason to go to church. But being the good partner I was, I went along. Weird thing is, we discovered God. Broken person that I was at the time, we were going out partying, we'd go to clubs and, and stuff like that. Um, do a bit of drinking, um, and just were doing pretty much what any, any other teenager would do um, in our world at the time. And I um, discovered this couple that just really took us under their wing, that just cared for us where we were at. Never ever challenged us about the stuff we were doing, never. Just loved us and started inviting us to meals and then to Bible study and we started going along. Then the pastor who we were trying to get to know, he actually wanted to do marriage counselling, whatever the thing it is, yeah, um, for the fact that we were getting married in the church and that sort of thing. And ultimately he brought us to the Lord, but it was because of the couple that cared for us that we discovered God. Changed my life. trying hard not to get emotional. I was a broken person at that time. And I started discovering a lot about myself and about real believers. Real believers love and care about people. This couple cared about us at where we were at. And being broken people and not having a plan for our lives or what we're doing, the only thing that we had in mind was our relationship. And for us, we started getting some of that hurt taken out of our lives. And I've been on that journey ever since. It's the reason I'm bringing up those hands in the first place. My hands are messy. And my life's been messy and still is from time to time. And I have failures and I have hurts and... Um, a lot of those hurts have even come from inside the church, believe it or not. Um, a lot of them challenge where people have said things that have just really cut deep. But the hurts are healed and restored. Some scars still there, just like my hands. My hands are messy, scarred. They work perfectly. Nothing wrong with them. Okay? Nothing wrong with them. But on my journey... I've had hurts. Thing is, God heals. Okay. This guy in Psalms, it says that he produces fruit in season and out of season. In season and out of season. What does that mean? In season is good times when you're producing fruit and you're seeing good things happening in your life and there's excellent things going on. Out of season is when things are tough and the struggles going on. Still producing fruit. What brings a person to that place where they still can be going on 
despite the circumstances of stuff that's going on around them. It's God. God can do that. It's faith. Faith can transform your life. It can bring restoration in places where you think, ah, there's no way. God, why did you do that? What's going on? God can fix it. I'm going to read a bit more scripture and then I'm going to go on. This is from Matthew and it's in 26. And this is Jesus um, in Gethsemane, which is the garden just before Jesus dies on the cross and just before he's arrested. He's going through this struggle and turmoil um, for himself. This This is Jesus himself actually struggling. And um, if you want to look it up, it's in verse 26, uh, chapter 26 and verse 36. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. So then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He actually was, like he was being really serious with the disciples. He was really in a place of turmoil, okay? And he really wanted his disciples to pray, like sincerely pray. He took Peter and the two, two sons, Zebedee, along with him, and he began to be so sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. Going a little bit further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Weird thing happened to me about, um, it's probably 15 years ago or more. And told a couple of people this, but not many people this. Because it's slightly embarrassing, and it was um, really hard to understand at the time. But at that time there was a, um, a, I guess, a, a move of God called the Toronto Blessing going around. And um, those people who are old enough will remember it, but um, these people, young folk, won't. Okay? Just to explain a little bit about what was going on. It originated in Toronto. That's the reason for calling it the Toronto Blessing. But um, the, what they were saying was that people would just break out into laughter with the joy of the Lord, just spontaneously. And it was like it was, uh, uh, um, what's the word there, um, contagious. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. And if you live in our household, there's a lot of laughter that goes on in our household, and there's particular people who are very vocal in laughter in our household. <laughs> I wasn't particularly pointing at you. <laughs> and it's contagious when laughter comes out. It's, and that's what's going on with this Toronto blessing thing. People were just being blessed by the happiness of being in relationship with God and we just burst into laughter. And people were being blessed by it. They actually, people's lives were being transformed as a consequence, as weird as that may seem. Okay? 
Anyway, at the time, there was a church in um, Katoomba called the AOG Church, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to suss this out. wasn't going to the AOG Church. And um, so this guy from Toronto, it was like pe- people that had experienced it would come and pray for other churches, and then they'd experience it. And I'm sitting in this church, and this guy prays for the church, and people start bursting into laughter and that sort of thing. Nothing really happens for me at first. And then opposite, opposite happens, I just burst into tears. Everybody else is laughing their head off, and I'm just weeping. Just cut up. Just unexplainable. And just gut-wrenching. I can't explain it. Just really deeply broken. I said to God, what's this all about? I just couldn't understand it. Why? And it comes, he showed me this bit of scripture coming back to Gethsemane. See, for me, being a broken person and being healed, um, I've got a sensitivity to people who are broken. And the problem is that it keeps getting stronger rather than weaker. And I want to see people healed and restored. That's what Jesus' heart was just here in Gethsemane. He was about to take on the burdens of the whole world in one foul sweep. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your own brokenness, your own hurt? The stuff that you've gone through personally? That's a lot. Imagine everybody's burden in one go. Son of God. Being in heaven with God. Came to this earth for our hurt. Says he fell to the ground and he was weeping. Why? Because he loves us. Not just a little bit. Like deeply, deeply hurting for us, his people. The burden that he took on when he died on the cross. So that I can be healed. <laughs> Unbelievable thing. If you want to keep going with me, I want to read a bit of scripture from Ephesians. So Ephesians chapter 1. I'm writing to Ephesians at the moment. I'm loving it. It's a mass unbelievable book. Oh, I've got to get tissues. I guess sniffles. Excuse me a second. I worked hard on the sound effects. Sorry. 
Okay. So Ephesians chapter 1, this is, and starting at verse 15. It says this. So this, this is Paul, okay, just before I go on. Paul, Paul is a, a guy who has an amazing revelation of Jesus. Okay, he's a guy who was persecuting the church. He was a Jew. And um, when the Christians, the Christian church started up right at the beginning, um, just after Jesus died, he actually went about persecuting the Christians. Okay, um, sending people into people's homes to arrest Christians and all sorts of things. He was dead against the Christian faith. He actually um, had a transformation in his life came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, became one of the most um, faithful men of God, went all around the world proclaiming God in, in the end. Um, this is him writing to the Ephesians. At the time of this, he's in jail, been arrested for his faith in being a Christian, um, which is quite weird considering that's what he used to do to the Christians in the first place. Um, so this is him writing. He's writing to the Ephesian church and... He's actually encouraging the church along, okay? Um, in the fact that he, he actually says to them a little bit earlier on that he was celebrating the fact that their faith was blossoming and that they were moving on, um, etc. And then he says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, they even cared about each other, I have not start, stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. If we keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know his, um, his uh, sorry, may, may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, in the saints and it is incomparably great power for all us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given not only in the present age but also in the one to come and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Peter's pra- uh, Paul is praying for the church that they have a revelation in their hearts, not in the head, not in the head, in their hearts to the depth of who Christ is, the love that he has for for them. An amazing, deep, deep, passionate love. Deeper than that you'll ever understand. He's still praying that I have a revelation of that. For me on that night, I had a revelation. I had a revelation.
why does it matter? Well, when things are hurting around you and stuff's going wrong, you need to have a revelation. You need to understand the depth of Jesus' love for you. That's why I bring it up tonight. Because there are people who are hurting and struggling in the church at the moment. And it's those people that need a revelation of the depth of the love of Jesus Christ in their lives. And I get right to my, my point, which has been the whole point of where I'm headed, believe it or not. I've actually quit on a whole heap of stuff I was going to tell you about myself. I'm just getting into the scripture. So, this is um, putting on the armour of God, which is in Ephesians chapter 6. And, by the way, if... If you're going to read anything during this week and you haven't got anything in mind, read Ephesians 6. It takes, well, it takes me about three quarters of an hour. It takes my daughter probably 15 minutes. I'm a bit slow at reading and um, it takes me a long time to comprehend things when I'm reading it. Um, she just hammers through stuff like this. But the good thing about Ephesians is it's, it's a really practical book. So as, as far as faith is concerned and being grounded on th- in things, the way we should go about things, challenges about um, our way of life, all those sort of things. Ephesians chapter 6, okay? Putting on the full armour of God is the last bit. This is how Paul finishes the book, okay? He says this. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the power, uh, rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So I'll stop there for a second. Try and get that round your head. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. What's flesh and blood? It's the people around us. It's the people in the community. It's the people in the rest of the world. Our instinct as human beings is if somebody hurts us, that's instinct. That's what most people want to do. That's why wars go on and rage. Um, that's why we start seeing less and less compassion. And I, I'm serious in this. I've been around 50 years. And it's less compassion now around than there was when I was younger. Less and less community. People are more and more isolated. There's more and more mental sickness. There's less and less healthy people. Seems really weird considering how smart we are, doesn't it? Really weird. It's because that the enemy is at work. Enemies at work. Have you noticed? I'm noticing more and more. Enemies at work. So, where's the battle going on? In the heavenly realms, is what it says. That spiritual forces are at work, in and around us, and in the heavenly realms, 
all the time. How the heck do you combat that? How do you combat the evil one? Well, the reality is, it is prayer. That's what Ephesians chapter 6 goes on to say. But there's a bigger reality than that. Already done. It's already done. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, it's finished. Victory is ours as believers. It's done. Go figure. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's done. Actually, a lot of the time, like most of the time, it doesn't feel like it's done. But it is. Jesus Christ died on the cross and said he was victorious. He rose again. Satan was defeated. His time is actually limited. Still a battle going on. Still exists. We're still in the midst of it. But we are victorious. There's a couple of things that we've got to do according to this bit of scripture, which is what it goes on to talk about. These couple of things are these. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Belt of truth buckled around your waist. Better hold that position or I'll lose it, and then take me 20 minutes to find it again. I've already lost it. There we go. Put your finger there. Belt of truth buckled around your face. Waist. That can be a lot of things. The first thing is truth. Be truthful. Don't lie. Seems simple. It's more than that, though. When you're talking about truth being buckled around your waist, you're actually saying taking on board truths. Scripture gives an unbelievable amount of promises. That's when I was thinking about today. That's just so much was going around my head about promises, and Ephesians was one of those books all over the place. Just the promises of God everywhere in Scripture. Most of them actually come after a task, a thing that we should be doing. So, um, for example, in that psalm that I read, it actually says that that man was seeking after doing things God's ways. He's looking to f- do things God's ways. Simple as that. That's, that's the thing that he was doing that made him strong in the Lord. Um, Jesus says in John chapter 14, for example, if you love me, you'll obey what I command, and I will send a counsellor. So the command is to obey what he said. That's what he's saying. The promise is that he's going to send a counsellor, somebody to be with us, which is the Holy Spirit. But there's a job to do in the process. We're told to forgive. That can be a really tough thing. In the context of this scripture, one of the revelations for me was that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, it's against powers and principalities. 
So if you're holding bitterness against somebody else, you're pointing the finger at the wrong place. It's basically pointing it at the enemy. He's the one who's the author of that. People still make decisions about the things they do and people do evil things, simple as that. But it's still the enemy who's the author of that. That enemy that you might have, if you do have one, Jesus died on the cross for that person. He loves that person. He's the creator of that person. Okay? The So truths, hanging on to truths. Making yourself strong with truths of what Jesus has done for you, what the word says, standing firm in them, things like that. I took my finger away from my face. Where are we? With a breastplate um, of righteousness in place. What's righteousness? Righteousness is doing the right things. A breastplate of righteousness. So, if somebody hurts you, do the right thing by that person. For me, owning my own business, sometimes I get the most awkward customers, and I've, I've had one in recent times, most awkward customer I've had in my life. You know, and you know, like the stories I could tell, and it's ongoing. It's just, uh, Scripture says I've got to do the right thing by that person. Scripture actually says I should work for other people as if I'm working for the Lord. Now, if Jesus was here and I was building a deck for him or a bathroom or whatever else that I was building, I'd want to do a damn good job. That's what Jesus wants us to do in our workplace. That's what he wants you to do at school. Have you ever thought about that? He wants to actually, for you to do your absolute best in everything. Your best. It says in that psalm right at the beginning, hey, Produces food in season and out of season. I've discovered that in my own business. I'm not a smart dude. I failed at school. But I've had successful business for years. I've got more work than I can ever do. And I try to be fair and do the right thing by people. Try to do the best I possibly can. And yes, I have failures along the way but I still keep going back and trying to do the right thing. And you will as well. It says be righteous. So be righteous in the things that you do. Be righteous in the way they see people, care about people. It says, and with your feet fitted with readiness, that comes from the gospel of peace. Readiness with the gospel of peace. Sharing your faith, being open about sharing with people your journey and where you're at and sharing about your, sharing your testimony even all those things being ready to make account for what you actually believe and to additional, in addition to this take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one this is the, the particular verse that strikes me and it comes back again to that little bit at the beginning the shield of faith that extinguishes flaming arrows of the evil one. Faith standing firm. Believing the truths that you experience in, in the word. So if you actually see a truth 
believing it. Actually making it part of your being that, so when the enemy points his finger at you, you think, no, that's not truth. This is the truth that I know. And making a stand in it. That guy who's planted by streams of living water is into the word. He knew what truths were. He stood in those truths. He prospered in season and out of season. Means you respond in the right ways to circumstances that you're faced with. It's very easy to rush into doing the wrong thing. Wait on the Lord. Trust. One of the things that I'm learning more and more, and still on a journey of doing this, how can I explain this? At the moment, I have four people working with us doing maintenance. Okay? Actually, five. There's one guy that works part-time with us as well. That wasn't my plan. I didn't. I've actually given up on plans, being a Christian. My business in numbers has gone up and down like this as far as the amount of people working. Um, one of those circumstances, Danny... And was working with me and another, I don't know, five or six of us were working together at the time. And a weird thing happens, I had to actually fire everybody, which is like the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life, is actually put off people. And it was due to circumstances. Okay? Um, somebody got hurt at work, um, an older guy called Barry, who was part of this congregation as well, and it took him about 12 months to get back to work. And work cover decided to hammer me as far as money is concerned. I think at the time I was paying like seven grand insurance for work cover. And for the year I was in, so we'd already, towards the end of the year, they wanted another $7,000, which I didn't have at the time. And for the year I was going into, he wanted $36,000 from a policy. And it's just no way in the world I could afford that. So I had to get rid of everybody. And um, disputed with departments in the government and all sorts of things did me no good circumstances. Can't control that. Just keep rolling along. Keep rolling along. At the moment, I've got four people working with me. I have a passion for people who really need work. It's one of my weaknesses. If, 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 I, if I've got work and I need, and, um, people come to me saying they need work, I try and give them work. So I've got these two guys working with me at the moment, one who's mentally disabled, who works a couple of days. Um, very difficult guy to work with, but I love him. And another guy called Usain, who's the African guy, just come to Australia, been out here six months or so. Um, we have a great time. Um, Usain is an awesome guy. Became a Christian about 12 months ago. Circumstances, not my plan, that's God's plan. I'm just going with the flow. That's a consequence of my faith where I'm at now. Decatering at this guy golf club, not my plan, I didn't figure that out. Just a funny thing about that. At the time I started in coffee shop. So I bought an oven for home so I could do the cakes at home. And then Dad rings me up, he lives in this guy, and he says, this, this, the, the, this guy golf club's looking for somebody to do the catering there. And I thought, ah, oh, okay. 
And at the time, my dad had been working for me, actually giving up work because he couldn't do it anymore, doing maintenance work too physical. Um, he's a patient cook by trade. He was working with me doing maintenance as well, but that's another story that gets into other stuff. But anyway, um, so I actually went for an interview with the guys um, there. The guy who was the board member at the time was a guy called Pip. He was away on holidays. So the person who was managing the place at the time and two other guys from the board came and um, interviewed me. Both those guys, patient cooks. It's like me and the other guys um, got on straight away. It's just the weirdest thing. I'm a patient cook. So um, I'm showing references and stuff like that. They go, oh, you're a patient cook. We're patient cooks. And I walked away and I thought, how weird is that? God's got that figured out already. I know that that's mine. God's got to figure that. I'm doing the catering out there and I don't pay rent and I don't pay electricity, I don't pay gas. Um, there's no agreement there at all. There's no lease or anything like that. No signed document saying this is what we do and this is our agreement. We just do what we do and we just go with the phone. That's what gives me the ability to do what I do here as far as food is concerned. Not my plan. Not my plan. I can rest in it because I know that's God's plan. That's what faith is like. Despite, you just go with what God's doing. Seriously, if there's anything I can encourage you in, okay, stick to the plan, what God wants you to do, being righteous, putting um, belt of truth around you, and there's other scriptures there. I'm going to have to quit because we're going on way too long. But anyway, but I'm going to wrap it up. If there's one thing that I would say to you on my journey, okay, stick to faith, okay. At 50 years old, almost 50, I am more and more convinced, absolutely 100% certain, completely, absolutely, no doubt. That if you choose Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, that you start putting into place the things that God wants in your life. Okay? Absolutely 100%. Okay? God works it out. Has worked it out. Got a future with Him. Victory's already done. Your job in the process of all this is to be faithful, to be sharing your faith, loving people, being compassionate, seeking out God, doing the things that he calls you to do. Read things like putting your hands up on screens. Sitting, sitting down when you said, that's what I want you to do, and I thought, that's, that's stupid. It's not stupid because it gives a good demonstration. I've got hands that are scarred. Each one of us have got lives that are scarred. Simple as that. Lives that have had hurts and stuff like that. Jesus is in the job of restoration. Okay, That's his job. He wants us to be restored whole people. He's done it. It's finished. Did it on the cross. 
Our journey is a journey of faith. He wants us to be whole, complete people, healed, restored. We're in community to do that. That's what the church is all about. We're on a journey together to be restoring each other, encouraging each other, loving each other, putting each other together over and over again. That's what our job is. That's what he wants for us. This bit of scripture encourages us in that. Keep on keeping the faith. Keep on encouraging each other. Keep on picking people up. If we're a church that's doing that, we're going to see more broken people because broken people want to be healed and restored. If we see more broken people, we're going to see more mess. This would be a really messy place if broken people are coming here. Really messy. The question is, are we ready for that? Where's your faith in, in the process of everything that's going on? Look at the world, it's a broken place. Are you ready for broken people? goes on in the end of this to be praying, to be strong. You need to be strong in your faith if you're going to be working with broken people. Because broken people hurt you. You need to have faith. Faith is an important thing. The likelihood is, I mean, I can tell lots of stories about people who have hurt me. I've had money stolen from me. Um, people steal things from my kids in my house because I've given them a roof over their head. Um, it just goes on and on. The list is not, not ending. Lots of scars from stuff like that. Does it matter? It doesn't. Because I feel like that man that's painted by streams of living water. I seriously don't care anymore. I... It wouldn't faze me if I lost everything tomorrow. I seriously don't care. I'll be still a man who's painted by streams of living water. That's where my faith's at. Take me 30 years to get there. <laughs> seriously, that's where my faith is at. I don't care. I'm like Paul. That was Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. That prayer that I read out in um, chapter 1. Wanted them to know in their hearts, in the deepest being of themselves, in their hearts, what it is to know the depths of the love of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for you. Every single person that's here, it's my prayer for the community. See restoration, people healed. Okay? Want to go on the journey with me? Okay. It's a few slight nods. Are you convinced you want to go on that journey? Yeah? Let's pray. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, I just say... Um, I'm so sorry I'm all over the place today as far as what I'm sharing. 
And I pray, Lord, that you use what I've shared just to prompt people to, to realise that you love them. Lord God, each one of us here just want to come before you and just lay our hearts before you. Lord, we want to lay our scars and our burdens and our hurts before your footstool. And Lord, we just pray that you just bring restoration to our lives. That Father, that has broken people, that you just heal us, Lord. Bring us back to a place of closeness with you. I pray, Lord, that you'll just build us up in faith. That in our circumstances, whatever that may be for us personally, Lord, that that follow that, you just give us an inner being and an inner strength to face what's going on, to trust you. Lord, we pray that you just point out scripture to us that helps bring restoration in our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you bring people around us that bring restoration into our lives, that bring encouragement. Lord, I've just been really hurting for names and bread, Lord. And Father, you know, I miss them. And Father, I just pray that you just bring restoration in their lives. Lord, I thank you for truth. I thank you that you love us. Help us to rest in that. Help us to rest in that, Lord.